If you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast, get in touch via manblues at gmx.com or at manbluesuk on Twitter. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and this is Man Blues. In this episode, we're talking about more disappointment. Okay, so in the previous episode, we talked about what I consider to be the first type of disappointment, probably the first one you'll ever come across, which is where someone's disappointed in you. And now we're going to move on to discuss the other type of disappointment, which is where you've disappointed others. This is different, the two types are not the same, because this specific type of disappointment is where your actions have directly upset someone, rather than them being upset by you, if you see what I mean. It's a subtle distinction, but as I get into the examples you'll see what I'm getting at, because this type of disappointment tends to be done to those around you who you've upset but you didn't mean to. They are different. So when you're disappointing others, it can be something as simple as just overstepping the mark with your comments or even your behaviour. I mean, a classic example of this will be when you as a couple get invited to a dinner party. I don't know if it's a trait of other countries. Um, I've certainly experienced this trait both in Germany and in the UK, so I'm imagining it's a trait in most other places as well, where what you do is you kind of, you go to the dinner party and you will point out something terrible about your partner to the general consensus in the room there will be something bad and it usually starts with something like sorry we're late she took ages to get dressed (laughs) classic trope the woman takes a long time to get ready therefore making the man late the man wants to show the host that he's not a bad guest and he will turn up on time but for the fact that his partner has made him delayed because she takes ages in the bathroom whatever now that's the sort of thing where you don't necessarily need to be humiliating your partner in that sense to you know, highlight their little foibles and their mistakes and so on because you can guarantee that in that same household that you've just arrived at the exact same problem has occurred that he's been shouting at her to hurry up to get ready while there's people arriving you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a trope and the reason, the, re- the reason it is a trope is because it happens it's like a cliche, we talked about this before cliches exist because they are true however my wife and I, many years ago we were at a party and this very same thing was happening where people were sitting around. There was, I think there were three couples plus a chap who was in, not in a relationship. And so there were seven of us sat there. Each of the three couples then sort of engaged in this unconsciously green-lighted conversation topic where we were just going to kind of one-upmanship each other and outdo each other about the various things that we've got that were going on in our lives. And I think it got to a point where it escalated enough that men being men and being competitive creatures that they are, we would try and genuinely to outdo each other with the worst of the worst. Now, I can't remember what it was specifically that I mentioned about my wife, but she was not happy about it. And fair enough, because as I say, it got to this point where it was escalating beyond the control of the people in the room. And I'd said something about her, and I knew it wasn't a nice thing to say, and she countered with something also not nice to say. And on the way home, we had a bit of a talk about you know, the evening's event and so on, and she just said that she didn't like it when I said that particular thing about her. She felt it was embarrassing and humiliating in front of those other people in the room. Those people were her friends, they were on the particular college course, university course she was on at the time, and she didn't want them knowing that particular fact about her. Fine. Fair enough. 
However, where my wife was particularly surprised was when, in riposte to that, I said, yeah, but I was equally unhappy with what you said about me because you said some quite humiliating things about me and I don't know these people, they're your friends, not mine. And now they know something quite deep and intimate about me, which I'm not happy about. And she had a moment of realization that, hang on a minute, he said something horrible about me that I don't like, but then in response, I said something horrible about him that he doesn't like. So we're both standing there saying, we're not sure why we do this. Why do we feel the need when we go to these um, dinner parties to rail on each other and to put each other down in public? That very night, I want to say it was a long time ago in our relationship. I mean, we've been together 23, 24 years. In that time, I want to say it was in year one of us being together. From that one dinner party, we agreed that we were never going to do that again. And I'll tell you this now, best decision we ever made. Genuinely. Because why would you do that? Why would you get someone in a room and just browbeat them and knock them down? Where's the sense in that? Where's the love and the joy in the relationship with each other? What's that? If you've got that kind of relationship with someone, it sounds pretty toxic. So as I said, we agreed on this some time ago that we weren't going to do it. And I think we reaped the rewards some years later when we got married. And there was a... It's typical in the UK that you will send around a a guest book in your wedding reception so people can sign it those who weren't necessarily at the, um, at the ceremony they can sign in this book to say you know how thrilled they are blah, 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 blah. They, they put nice things in there it tends to be very nice I'm sure I've already mentioned it in a previous episode but one comment that made it into the book was from a, a work colleague of mine and she'd said that it was a genuine honour for her and her husband to have been invited to our wedding do because she put and I quote we are the best couple she knows when I asked her about it, she basically commented on the fact that whenever we're together at dinner parties or whenever we're together at outings or whatever, we go on social gatherings, we just seem so happy in each other's company and we're just so happy with each other. And she said, and I can't she commented directly on the fact that we just don't seem to put each other down like other couples do. And that's when I said to her, ah, well, we had this conversation some years ago, basically told her the whole story and she just said, that's brilliant. I wish I'd done that with my husband because now we're stuck in this situation. She thinks it might be too late for any of them to change, and I said, well, of course it's never too late to change. Why would you want to have that behaviour? Why would you want him revealing your absolute worst character traits that you're already aware of? Why would you want him revealing that to friends of yours? It's it's not nice. So that's why we don't do it, and that's why whenever we see it happening in others, my wife and I step in and try to stop it. We try to talk about how nice you are together, how long you've been together, how much it, how much fun it must be. But unfortunately, sometimes people are just that way out. Sometimes people are just that way inclined to always say something bad about their partner because they think they've got the dirt on them. But what you forget when you do that is they've got the dirt on you as well. So they can hurt you just as much as you can hurt them. So that's why my wife and I just agreed we're not going to do it anymore. Because as I said... When she was telling me that she didn't, you know, she was upset with how I'd spoken about her at this dinner party, and I said, yeah, well, I didn't like what you said about me. There was that kind of realisation click in the brain where we just went, do you know what? Why did we talk about each other in such an awful way like that? Why couldn't we just leave it and just have a nice time? So that's what we've done. Because, as I say, these are weapons that you have about your partner, about your life partner, or even whoever it might be. These are weapons that you have, and they're pointed at the person. They're not pointed at anybody else. So all those things that I know about my wife and that she knows about me that could be construed as bad, you know, does she take a long time in the bathroom? Is she particularly untidy at home? 
Is she the person who leaves the wet towels on the floor? Is she the person who tells me off for leaving the wet towels at the floor? Am I the person who's untidy in the kitchen? Do I not do the washing up? Do I not pick up after myself? All of these things are weapons that we know about each other, but we point them at each other. So the things I know about my wife in that loaded gun are pointed at my wife. And the things my wife knows about me in her loaded gun are pointed at me. They're designed to hurt me and they're designed to hurt her. They're not designed to hurt anybody else and they're not designed to have other people laugh in some kind of shared knowledge. These are genuinely personal and private things that you know about that person. And you're pointing that weapon at that person and basically saying, I dare you to pull me the trigger on this particular story I know about you. Okay? To give a further example to that, there is a story that my wife and I really love to remember, but it was one of her moments of highest cringe. And it's a story I'm not going to tell you, but at the time it happened, she was mortified. She wanted the ground to swallow her up, and we just laugh about it now because we can. But at the time, she was genuinely mortified to her soul, and I had no idea how to help her get out of it because it was a situation she'd misunderstood. And that's fine, misunderstandings happen. But it's just, what do you do afterwards? So we tried to find the fun in it, but she knows she's going to go to her grave mortified that that happened still and every now and again when either she remembers or I remember and we have a kind of like oh do you remember that time with the thing she kind of goes oh she has that moment of oh god it was so bad wasn't it and then we have a bit of a chuckle about it but it's that it's the same kind of cringe you know the thing that teenagers talk about these days where they say that their sleep demon keeps them awake by reminding them of things that they said to their crush when they were five it's that deal it, that's how bad this is for my wife that's how deep-seated this particular memory is in her brain and as I said I know that awful story about her I've got it in my weapon I've got it in my gun but the thing is whenever we now go out in the evenings we go around to see friends or we go around to their houses or we go out for a social evening I leave that gun at home I don't bring it with me so I wanted to move on to a little bit of positivity about this type of disappointment because this type of disappointment is utterly fixable by you. You could stop those behavioural traits, you could stop those particular things that you're doing that are upsetting the other person in your life, and it's very easy to do. So I found a website from somebody called Katie Morton, and I'll put the URL in the podcast episode so you can click it from there. But I've, I've taken the bullet points of her argument. I mean, the webpage is really well detailed, it's beautifully written, but I've taken the bullet points of her arguments about this, and I'm going to sort of expand on each one. So uh, point number one is when you disappoint someone, you need to examine your reaction. So had you done something that was really wrong, or has a perceived wrong behavior been pushed on you? That's quite an important point, I think, um, because sometimes there are just toxic people out there, and sometimes those toxic people just want their way, and sometimes when they get their way, it's at the expense of somebody else. I've said before about the selfishness, um, my mother often used to say to me that when she wanted to go somewhere and I couldn't be bothered to go with her, I was being selfish. But then I quickly learned that when there's two people in the equation, you can't use the selfish argument because if my mum says to me, I'm being selfish for not coming with her, then I go, okay, fair enough, I'll go with you. Then suddenly she's being selfish by getting what she wants. You see what I mean? So sometimes it can feel as though you're the one who's misbehaving, but it could just very well also be that the other person is putting those particular behavioural constraints on you and making you look bad to them. Which is why they go, oh, I, was only, I wasn't very pleased with the way you behaved last night. Okay, but did you actually step over the line? Or is that person just perhaps being oversensitive? Um, number two is to try to understand all perspectives. Again, quite crucial, kind of drills into what I've just been saying. 
Do you have a right to be heard? And do they have a right to be heard? Was what you did genuinely hurtful? Or was what you did perhaps misconstrued, misunderstood? And if so, as we've said on so many of these podcast episodes, chaps, talk about it. Don't just let things fester and don't think they're unimportant and shouldn't be discussed. They are important and they need to be discussed. Number three, when you disappoint somebody, you need to analyze your actions. This includes before, during and after. Okay. What led to the particular situation? Had you had too much to drink? Were you showing off? And I do, etc, etc. What did you actually do or not do, which caused them the disappointment? And what can you do to prevent it from happening again? Good little maxims to live by, aren't they? What led to it? What did you actually do? And what could you do to stop it from happening again? And is it possible to stop it from happening again? Because it might just be that you've got these trigger points. Who knows? And the fourth one, which I'm just going to leave dangling there, is to go inside and follow your heart. Sounds fluffy, but read the webpage. What Katie Morton has to say about this is genuinely interesting. I think it might help. But, 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 don't forget, some people are just toxic and they want to be seen to be more important than you, that their feelings matter more than yours, and their disappointment of you can be their way of controlling that. And for that, there is no yardstick. There is no way to say that particular type of behavior is manipulative, because some of the comments my wife has said to me, if you were to write them down and give them to an actor, you could have that actor say those exact same phrases in the hurtful way that she did, and in the manipulative way that someone else could, okay? it is possible that the same phraseology can be construed in different ways. So you need to understand your audience, you need to understand the person saying it to you and what their feeling is towards you. And if you don't, if you're struggling with that, just reach out for help. Talk, talk, talk. So, I'm Leon Deggs, and I'm sorry that I said or did whatever it was that upset you. Or, are you just a horrible person trying to manipulate me? Thanks for listening.